0: It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Reports Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at LeachReport or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another week of Leach Reports, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And hope you guys had a nice weekend. Maybe you enjoyed the return of racing to Kentucky at Churchill Downs. They had some huge uh, wagering numbers. Uh, Coming up on the show today, Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com joins us in the second half, as he usually does on Mondays. And then we're going to lead off with an interview with... uh, Doctor from the University of Kentucky, or graduate of the University of Kentucky, Dr. Matthew Dawson, with a company called Wild Health. And you may have heard them referenced in the return of racing because uh, Churchill Downs is using Wild Health for their testing. Uh, Keeneland is as well, and Keeneland hopes to be able to run later this summer. And so when I um, heard that, I looked into the company just to find out more about it since it was uh, a Lexington company. And uh, had a nice conversation with uh, Dr. Dawson. It turns out he's involved. Uh, he and his company uh, and other labs around the world really are looking at something called pool testing uh, for the coronavirus, which could uh, potentially lead to a more efficient testing system and a uh, maybe even a way where you could have uh, sports with some level of attendance of fans. So. Wanted to talk to him about that, and we uh, were able to tape a, uh, a fairly long interview that we're going to get to a break here quickly because we're going to bring you that interview, and uh, you can hear for yourself some of uh, it. It's, I think, really interesting and uh, really cool that it's a uh, Kentucky company as well. So that's what we'll lead off with, and then we'll uh, get to Kyle Tucker in the second half of the show. It's the Leech Report Radio Network, and we'll get right back and get to it. the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email Report at gmail.com Welcome back into the Leach Report for a Monday to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline we go to bring on Dr. Matthew Dawson with a Lexington-based company called Wild Health and his company is helping with the testing they got racing back at Churchill Downs over the weekend and that might help lead to a short race meet at Keeneland later this summer. Dr. Dawson, we know you can't talk about what you're doing for specific clients, but want to talk with you about uh, the concept of pool testing, because when I saw your company based in Kentucky was helping out with racing, I was doing a little research to find out more about your company and uh, came across and came across a podcast that is there on your website at wildhealth.com about this concept of pool testing. And it's really interesting, and it's a way that we might get, for instance, for our audience, some level of crowds at a football game later this year.
1: Sure. Uh, well, and unfortunately, I definitely can't talk about uh, any current business we're doing. We're a medical company and all that's very um, confidential, but I'm, but I'm happy to talk to you about the general concept um, of pool testing because I think it's a really incredible solution that more people need to be talking about. It's a way that we're really going to get to open this economy back up.
0: And this is P-O-O-L, pool testing. So I guess let's just start with a, an explanation of what that is.
1: For sure. So, it's not a new concept. Uh, a few weeks ago I was working with a few groups um, and they had large numbers that needed to be tested and I'm trying to solve this problem as, because right now as you know that there are some test shortages uh, and the cost of the test can be prohibitive. Um, and it came across the idea of, of using some math to actually be able to test a lot more people and a lot more cheaply as well turns out it definitely was not an original idea. Uh, I looked it up. We've been doing this since the 1940s. A mathematician came up with this idea, and Stanford University has validated it, and they've been doing it in Israel as well. So the concept is, let's say you have 300 people at your uh, job site, 300 employees, and what you're concerned about is there's a situation like the meatpacking plant in Waterloo where they had 1,000 people test positive. The reason that happens is because you'll have an asymptomatic spreader come to work. Nobody knows they're sick. They went past the temperature screens. They feel fine, but they start spreading the virus, and the next thing you know, you got a 1,000 positive like they did. The way to avoid that in these essential businesses or any business that wants to open up is to test people, to, to, to find those asymptomatic spreaders with a viral test. But to test all of your employees is expensive, and there's just not that many tests. So what you could do, is take all 300 employees, swab them all, and because you're in a low-prevalent situation, meaning only a very small number, maybe one or two, would be an asymptomatic positive, instead of testing all 300 immediately, you divide them up into pools. So, for example, 30 pools of 10, and then you run 30 tests. If all 30 tests are negative, then you've ruled out infection in all 300. However, say 1 in 100 are positive, meaning 3 test positive. And what will happen is 3 of the pools will test positive. That means you have 30 individuals there, 3 pools of 10, which you haven't ruled out. And then you can simply rerun the individual tests for all of those 30, and you identify which 3 people are positive. So you ran 60 tests instead of 300, and you know exactly who is positive, exactly who is negative, and you saved a lot of cost and a lot of time and it gets down to the point where you could actually affordably do this. I, I have a business, and I'm routinely screening my patients with this, or my employees, I'm sorry, with this method just to make sure that employees are safe and the customers will be safe, too, when they come by.
0: So everybody, all 300 in your example, would get a swab, but the only they would be processed in groups of 30, which is where the cost savings and the efficiency comes in. So do I understand that correctly? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Everyone is swabbed. Everyone will be tested. We will know yes or no, positive or negative, for every single individual. But because we're in a low prevalent situation, we're screening large numbers of people and only a small number have it, then you can use this technique to decrease the cost, increase efficiency, and be able to use your your tests more efficiently. We do have limited reagents and swabs in this country right now, and we need to be good stewards of them.
0: This is the Leach Report, and we're chatting with Dr. Matthew Dawson with WildHealth.com, based in Lexington, and talking about the concept of pool testing for the coronavirus. And so this would be p- potentially applicable for uh, maybe schools, to, where you're going to have a, lot of gr- a large group, or at least colleges, large companies. And then for, for our listeners, maybe things like sporting events and concerts, right?
1: Absolutely. I I was joking with someone the other day, I said, the only people this applies to are humans. Um, So pretty much any group that wants to get together safely. And I think it's very important to note that right now we're still in a situation where large sections of the the United States is still in in trouble. We have a lot lot of people that that we need these tests for in those places. But we also have areas where we're trying to open back up. And we need to be thinking about these creative ways to do that safely. So it, a school is a perfect example. A sporting event is a perfect example. When the time is right, when we all feel comfortable that there are enough tests to go around, which honestly I, I think there are now, uh, but in the near future, when that's the case, then this could certainly be applied to a sporting event. And you, could, you can do the math on it, Tom. It's, it's the same, even if you go all the way up to, say, 9,000 people at a sporting event. And, again, today is not the time for this, but in the future, You could take 9,000 people, divide them up into 300 pools of 30. And in that case, if 1% or 90 are positive, you're going to get 90 positives. You get 90 pools of 30 of 2,700 people. So in one round, you've rolled out 6,300 people. And then you do a couple more rounds of the testing, one more pool, one more individual. And in the end, what happens is you roll out 9,000 people with a little over 1,100 tests. And And you can do that quickly. We're never going to get to a zero-risk situation in the world, but if we can have that risk approach our standard living risks, then we can start to feel comfortable and start to resume our new normal lives at least.
0: Talking with Dr. Matthew Dawson from WildHealth.com, and working with Churchill Downs, among other companies, on the testing that got racing resumed over the weekend. We'll continue our discussion when we come right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Back into the Leach Report for this Monday, and on the line with us is Dr. Matthew Dawson uh, from Wild Health. It's a company that. Uh, has a division here in lexington Uh, i guess give us the website people can go and and see the podcast i was referencing earlier and and read a little bit more about this it's i think it's interesting for people as we're trying to get educated about what we're all going through um where can they find what's the uh, website address
1: sure it's it's pretty easy it's wildhealth.com and on that site there uh, we do have a podcast that we release uh, frequently so we have a long explainer video on this there's also a the science is important here tom and so anyone that wants to dive into that we do have a, a white paper there as well you can download it with all the references and how this can work and all the math and the statistics. But just wildhealth.com for all of that information.
0: And Wild Health is a uh, working uh, story that was in the Thoroughbred Daily News recently about Wild Health working with uh, Churchill Downs and uh, Keeneland, if they can get cleared to, to do a meet later this summer for their testing. And those are clients, so we're not talking about those, those cases. But we're talking about a concept uh, called pool testing that could – more efficiently uh, co- do the testing for a, a large group. And, we, in the- and through this, if uh, everything work- checks out, you could test a lot of people more frequently and close some of that gap that a lot of the medical professionals talk about with testing, right?
1: Exactly. If you're able to test five people with one test, which is what we're, we're talking about in the lab, Um, then you really gain some massive efficiencies. And I know your audience is very sports centric and it's great to talk about that. But really, as you mentioned, this would apply to schools. This applies to businesses. We have businesses doing this. And we do the regular testing as well, just kind of one at a time. But this is a method that is going to be able to more efficiently and quickly get us to be able to do the, the amount of screening and testing that we really need to have the visibility To make the right decisions around the virus.
0: What about uh, reliability from the standpoint of of maybe when you're testing in a pool of uh, false negatives, not really catching somebody that may be asymptomatic?
1: So the way the test works, so we we put a swab in someone's nose and we're looking for viral particles. The PCR machine that we run this on, this is the GOG standard CDC test, the best test. Uh, It looks at those viral particles and it amplifies them so they can detect them. So it doesn't matter if you've got one person's material in there, or 10, if the viral material is there, it's gonna show up. Now, that was our first question. Is there some dilution? Do you decrease sensitivity? And you don't. There was a study published just about a week ago in The Lancet showing that you can use pools of up to approximately 30, and you get no decrease in sensitivity. The cycle threshold, it's called, is, is unaffected and still good. So we would never do pools over 30, but the science has been validated that pools up to 30 are very efficient they're just as good in our lab we've been doing this and we're seeing that we're, we're going to be publishing some papers as well we're getting a lot of really great information and just on does this work in general and, and we're just repeating the work that's already been done that is showing that it does work
0: for the purposes of of the show that we're on here talking about this a big uk sports audience for a football game for example could you foresee I'm guessing not maybe 60,000, but maybe half of that for a football game at some point before the end of the year? Could that be conceivable?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So when you when you have, let's say, 10,000 people you want to get there, um, no test in medicine or in the world is perfect, so there's going to be a real, this is the best test, but there's a really tiny false positive, right? So let's say, or false negative. So let's say the sensitivity is 97%, meaning every 100 people that have it, you're going to miss three. So if you test, 10,000, and we said um, 1% have it, that's 100 people that have it, and so you may miss three of those. So when you talk about three people wearing masks and and 10,000 from a stadium instead of 60, you're separated. That's a really low risk, like the the spreadability of this is really low when people are thinking about it and they're not um, coughing on each other. So three people is probably a very acceptable risk, Um, especially when you consider the the mortality of less than 1%. So three people infect three other people, they're going to be fine, especially kind of healthy people. Um, the problem is when you do, when you do fifty thousand, then you're talking about fifteen people, and five times as crowded. So the chance of spreading it goes up, and the chance the number of people are there to have it go up. So it's going to be a right now. We're getting really great data on prevalence and risk, so we'll be able to say in a month or two what the right number is. But right now, I feel pretty comfortable nine thousand people at Commonwealth. 50 makes me a little nervous until we have more information.
0: And this is uh, something that is being looked at in, uh, in Europe. I've read some articles about uh, efforts uh, in Germany in particular. So um, it's, it's really interesting that it's a Kentucky-based company that's involved with something like this. But you're not the only one, so this is something that we, we might be hearing more about in future weeks.
1: I think you certainly are. And there's a very specific reason that no one has talked about this yet. So it hasn't been time to talk about it yet. So this does not work in a hospital setting because you're testing symptomatic people. So when you test symptomatic people, you get 10, 100 people that come in and they have symptoms. The percentage that are going to be positive is too high. So too many of the pools will test positive, so you don't gain any efficiencies. So we've simply been in a time where it's, it's not been valid. This doesn't work. But what we're talking about, return to sports, return to work, it's a perfect concept to really expand our testing capabilities. So, the time to talk about it is now. Uh, do more tests and, and rule out the infection for a larger population.
0: So, our, our problem, if I'm, and I'm, a lot of this is, is way over my head, so I'm trying to uh, put it in easiest to understand terms, is that in a given pool of, of people, say going, going into a, a place of work and there's hundreds of employees, the overwhelming majority don't have it. But if there is a handful that do, you don't know it and it creates havoc and by the time you know it, uh, it that havoc has really spread. And so this is a way to uh, ferret that out very early.
1: Yeah and if you just google Waterloo um, meat packing plant, you'll see a perfect example of that 3,000 employees um, and by the time they realized there was a little outbreak, a thousand people were infected. so If you have a a small business of say 30 people or 20 people you could do pool testing and just rule them all out each day or once a week or the math also works for a company of 300 or 3000 and we're really trying to get the word out just so that if any other labs want to do this we're happy to help them we think this is a big solution and we need other people helping as well because this is going to be a big boost to the economy and just confidence in general people feeling safe going out knowing that. Our testing capabilities have expanded, and we're not just flying blind. We started talking about this several weeks ago, and I couldn't find anyone talking about it. Fortunately, in the last week, there's been not just the Lancet article, but a New York Times article. It was mentioned yesterday in a Time magazine article. Uh, I've gotten some inside information that someone's talking about this, probably in the Wall Street Journal soon. So I think you're going to see this in the national conversation. The issue is just that... um, the people doing it there's just not many people doing it but as soon as the word gets out then hopefully other labs will will come on board and, and like i said we're happy to if anyone wanted to contact me from another lab about doing this or, or any business owner anyone they can just email me at uh, matthew.dawson at wildhealth.com and we're more than happy to help people figure out how to do this either we can do testing for them or we can help a lab figure out how to spin this up as well
0: and the website is wildhealth.com based uh, here in lexington thank you so much for uh your time and uh obviously to say the least uh best of luck with uh helping our uh, our society get through this a little quicker that would be wonderful thank you for having me Dr. Matthew Dawson, it's just really interesting stuff, uh, I thought, and hopefully you guys did too. Um, As I said, it was a taped interview. I emailed him back later another question. I said, if you had 10,000 in a football stadium, could you theoretically do 10,000 each side and keep the two sides apart? And he said, that's something they haven't looked at yet, but uh, that could be a possibility. More on the Leach Report when we come right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back into our show for a Monday. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. I want to talk about... A uh, story that uh, Kyle did there about Olivier Sarr in a minute, but first we'll uh, pick up on um, what we just finished up as uh, a conversation with Dr. Dawson from uh, from Wild Health, and um, I just think that's an interesting concept, very complex. It's it's medicine and math, Kyle, but it it sounds like something that might help us get sports back, even with some fans.
2: Yeah, the pool testing is is super interesting, and I think promising. Um, because I think that's one of the huge questions that people have in terms of, I don't know if morality is the right word, but, you know, the ethics of, uh, you know, scooping up all these tests, you know, what, mm-hmm. what people in their minds have thought of as thousands and thousands of tests just to resume sports when, you know, there are some people in some places who, um, can't even get tested, just normal citizens, um. Uh, can't get tested. They're scooping up all these tests for pro athletes and millionaires. Um, but I think if you mitigate that with a what sounds like some pretty logical, uh, medically sound um, testing where you, you can test these massive numbers of people um, you know, with a much smaller number of total tests, uh, one, I think that is great because I think it's much more efficient. It sounds like it's going to be a much faster way to test a lot of people, but especially because I think it, it makes it a little more palatable when you say, you know, how are you testing all these people? Well, you're you're not taking tens of thousands of tests. You're taking maybe a thousand tests, and you can test the whole crowd or test the whole uh, complex. You know, there's been all these ideas about the NBA uh, and other leagues kind of playing in a bubble, you know, being uh, sequestered somewhere together, um all the workers and all the players and, and staff and all that uh, and you need to test them regularly that's a lot of people to test but if you could get it done efficiently like this i think uh maybe you get a lot less objection from the general public that goes hey what about us what about our tests um so it's that, all i think it's all really intriguing and you know you don't want to see all the death that we've seen but it is true that you know in situations like this innovators really shine and i think this is one of the the very few positive things about what's happening right now is a lot of people are trying to innovate and help and and use whatever their expertise is uh to help the world kind of get back on track
0: that's what i've been saying all through this is that when we discuss in forums like this you know could football come back do you predict it will predict it won't etc all we can go on is what we know today but we can know a lot more in a week and you've got really smart people that are very well uh, backed financially for something like this and those kinds of, uh, you know, much like in, in sports where, you know, pressure, there can be a good kind of pressure. This is a, a uh, I don't know if it's a good kind of pressure, but is a pressure that can produce results and innovation. Uh, always has throughout history, and so that's how things get accelerated and discoveries get made. And uh, in this case, it's not necessarily a discovery; it's just something that actually goes back to World War II when it was used for troops. That is a way that uh, you might be able to uh, be practical for sports. Also, things like Dr. Dawson said for like the the meatpacking plants and things where you have people that go in that have the the virus and don't know it, and then pass it around. Well, if you can, you know, uh, weed out a lot of that before they go into work on a given day, then you can uh, make that plant operate more efficiently.
2: Yeah, this is this is certainly not a sports-only thing and, and maybe not even a, a sports-first thing. It's a, you know, how do we go back to work and play? And there's yeah. a lot of places that could be crowded spaces that we need to know that we, you know, I think just for people to go back to them even, uh, you know, go back into businesses, to go back into their job in a factory or crowded space they need to have some level of confidence that there's some safety and certainly safety measures so I think it's all um, that all is very encouraging to me and it's the other reason why why all these projections that are months out of, oh, it's going to be this or it's going to be that it's hard to know because we don 't know what the next innovation is going to be um, yeah right around the corner that changes everything you know it, it may may improve our timeline dramatically
0: but along the way some decisions um will will have to be made a week from today uh there's going to be a, a vote uh within the s e c for example of let do a, can athletes return to campus and um, first start doing some workouts not football practice per se but you know where you could uh lift and uh, go into the you know workout with the team trainers etc and um it and I, Dan mullen i saw made the argument that uh Public gyms are going to be open, so our guys will be going to those. Wouldn't it be better to let them come to the school and be supervised, and uh, you know, th- should be better able to avoid contracting the virus? So it's a it's an interesting debate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's something that I hadn't really considered, but um, and I'm not really a very big Dan Mullen fan, but I, I think it is a valid point. I mean, if you're if you're talking yeah. about all these places where. Uh, you know, in Nashville, right now, you can, you can have family there. You can go back into a planet fitness or a, any, you know, a, any, any public gym, uh, and hope that they're keeping it clean and, and taking all the right precautions. But, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, and you've got a hundred something kids doing that, spreading out on their own, going to all these places or, you know, trying to get into gyms of friends that, you know, can let them in. You know, is that, is that safer than uh you know, if you, you're under the, the leadership and guidance of your football staff and, and knowing how important it is to keep those guys safe? Probably not. Um so I you know, I don't know what the answer is. I think it's a little strange to let athletes come back when students can't, although we've been treating athletes differently than the general student population forever, uh whether anybody wants to admit it or not. So
0: I don't um, know what
2: the answer is there.
0: Uh interesting practical discussion for Kentucky football and uh, Kentucky basketball from this standpoint, you know, Kentucky football having so much experience is um, one of the the better built programs at this particular point in in time to go through something like this theoretically because they've got so much experience and uh, maybe guys are, you know, conditioned to, um, with their self discipline, et cetera, you could could hope and you could you know, get through that a little better. Although ideally, they would love to be able to to work their guys out. Now, conversely, on basketball, there's so many new guys that and the earlier they can get them back to campus, strictly talking from a you know team building concept here, um, that would be wonderful for them because that's going to be a you know an important always is an important part for Cal's teams, but this one in particular with so many new faces.
2: Yeah, and and I talked to. Uh you know Jay Billis and and Seth Greenberg and and some folks last week just trying to get a sense on you know how un- one how unusual is this retail. I mean, even even by Kentucky standards, under Calipari, this is uh, massive turnover. They may, in fact never had this few minutes returning. Cam Brooks, I think, played 467 minutes, something like that,
0: last season. It's
2: the fewest returning minutes since the uh, NIT team when Kyle Wilcher and uh, 20, Beckham and, and Jared Polson, were all they had coming back. And, and Polson and Beckham, I, I believe, started out as walk-ons. Um, so, you know, it's it's a dire situation in terms of uh, returning experience. Uh, but they do bring back a ton, or they do add a ton of new talent through transfers and, and this great uh, – the question is just, you know, with all those new faces, can you integrate them if you don't have um, the summer months? And and Seth Greenberg's point was, you know, Calipari, this is he's sort of a wizard at this, and he he's good friends with John Calipari. But he he said, look, I have to even admit, if they don't get the summer, it's a real problem, like a potentially massive problem for them in particular. You know, maybe more than anybody in college basketball will, will be affected. Uh, going into next season without all those critical months, one to put some, some weight and strength, uh, on the, the freshman. Um, and that's always a, a big thing. And, you know, Keon Brooks' dad and others have talked about, uh, how much just that couple months in the summer helped get him at least ready to kind of get in there and, and hang physically. Uh, and then there's so much team building, uh, in those summer months and so much, um, just um, initiation, you know. Here's some of the basic concepts uh, of what Cal Perry wants to do. Here's what college life is like before you really have to, you know, crank it up and go to school and, and compete all simultaneously. You kind of get uh, integrated into the campus life. That's a lot, you know. They're going to have nine new guys, uh, and that's a lot to, to work in without that summer.
0: Talk with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, and we'll continue when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, and visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Back with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, and if you go there um, and you are a subscriber, and if not, you should be, uh, you can – Go to the Kentucky page and see Kyle's story about uh, Olivier Sar. And the headline says Kentucky's success could hinge on the status of Sar. We're not going to debate, you know, that. That's something that'll be determined by the NCAA's committee that looks at these waivers. But uh, one of the interesting aspects of the stories you got uh, Evan Daniels, uh, recruiting analyst, to give you uh, an assessment of of the transfers as if they were recruits. Yeah, you know,
2: and it's interesting because we've talked. Uh, you know, and everybody has a million times about all the sort of the strange nature of all the the big guys that they've swung and missed on in recruiting the uh, the elite, you know, five star, top fifteen ish uh, caliber centers that have uh, gone elsewhere. Not so much in this class because there weren't a lot of those guys, but in the previous class, it was sort of well documented that it was Wiseman ended up going to Memphis and Vernon carried a Duke and. Uh, uh Isaiah Stewart to Washington, and they were all um you know impact guys um but so i you know I wondered okay well they haven 't gotten that those guys, but they did just get an all a t c uh center you know a veteran even um in olivier sar how how would he rank if he were in this twenty twenty recruiting class and Evan said he 's you know a top twenty guy he 's a, a five star caliber it's equivalent to getting a five-star caliber guy, and, and I think more notably, he said there's not any uh, big man in the class of 2020 except for Evan Mobley, who's you know arguably the best big man and top three overall player in the class. Who going to USC? Kentucky really never nobody had a chance there because his his father is on the staff there. Um, but other than Evan Mobley, uh, he wouldn't take any big man in the class over Olivier Sarr. So that's I mean. I think that's got to make people feel pretty good. That means you, you're, you're getting, uh, you are getting one of these high-end uh, impact guys, and, and they come in all sort of shapes and ages. You know, it's not the same as getting one, uh, you know, that's a one-and-done caliber guy, but you know, straight out of high school. But I think maybe even more valuable on a team that's going to have so many uh, young guys is that you have that elite big man who's also a veteran who who also knows. What college basketball is, who's played at the highest level in the ACC and and dropped 25 points on Duke. You know, had 30, uh, like 30 and 13 or whatever it was against Notre Dame, and, you know, 20 and 11 against Arizona. He has competed and performed already at that high level. Um, So I, I think getting him eligible is kind of the difference. Everybody I talk to, you know, Evan Daniels. Uh, Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, I think everybody kind of agrees that, you know, that's good. Is Kentucky or are they a national title contender? Um, the difference is probably the eligibility of Olivier Saar.
0: And in there, uh, Jay Billis uh, shares my opinion when it comes to the uh, NCAA granting waivers. In that, I forget what he said about it, but for me, it's kind of like uh, the equivalent is spinning is uh, Vanna White spinning the wheel of fortune, except to be a, the wheel of eligibility and yeah, I whatever. Think
2: you could flip a coin, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can't know, uh, you know, really ever what the NCAA is going to do. But his point one is, it, I think a lot of people are on this page that, that none of these guys should have. To. Know, transfers ought to be able to go where they want to go and play when they want to play, and 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 that's probably going to happen eventually. That rule is going to change eventually. In the meantime, you know, it it should be a no brainer to give some of these guys with extenuating circumstances the waiver, as you know that soon they'll be able to play anyway. Uh, and I do think he has a compelling case, um, which I think everybody kind of understands at this point. But um, you know, it's it's a big deal. Um, whether or not he is eligible. I don't know what they do. You know, I mean, it looks like, I think, probably they're done uh, adding for this class with uh, DeAndre Williams picking Memphis, and my sense there was that Kentucky kind of backed away. Because um, I think they hope they get Sarr at the five, and then I think they feel good about the, the freshman and Keon Brooks at the four uh, and filling out, you know, those guys providing depth uh, in the front court. I think that becomes a lot more tenuous if you don't get Sar. Um but I just literally just as we were on this conversation, I had a story published on The Athletic um, talking to Keon Brooks' father for a long time and some other people uh, about his return. And I think Kentucky feels really good about what Keon Brooks is going to be, um, especially if he's playing alongside Sarr. It takes a lot of pressure off him, um, you know, but he's been uh, – guzzling protein shakes and hitting the gym. He has access to a private gym, so he's been working out five days a week. And Apparently Calgary's been calling and Zooming and texting him uh, regularly, kind of um, pumping him with that message we've heard him uh, give some other returning guys when, when a lot of guys were out but one or two key players were coming back, and that is, you know, it's your time now. You, you need to lead this team now. And I think they, they do feel good about the one and only guy they have coming back With any experience, Dante Allen also coming back. Keon's the only one who played minutes. I think they feel good about him.
0: We'll get into a little deeper dive on that uh, next week when uh, you join us here and look for that story coming up up now at theathletic.com. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. We will wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. When we come right back, it's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. To stay in Wildcat history, it's a birthday to celebrate. Ron Mercer, new inductee into the Kentucky Athletics Hall of Fame, celebrates a birthday today. Uh, condolences to the family of UK Hall of Famer Roger Bird, who passed over the weekend at the age of 76. Uh, he was an All-American um, Corbin High School star, dubbed the Corbin Comet, great nickname. Uh, was the SEC's leading scorer as a senior uh, played from 63 to 65 uh, on some uh, really good Kentucky teams. And a U.K. football uh, Twitter account uh, sent out this tweet after uh, Roger Bird's passing. This was his very first time he stepped on the field in a Kentucky uniform uh, against Virginia Tech in 1963. And Kaywood Ledford calls the kickoff return roger bird is back deep there's the kick it's high in the air and bird gathers it in on the seven yard line he swings it to the far side cuts it up at the 20 goes out to the 30 the 40 swings back to the near side at the 50 heads for the near side and now he's just got to outrun the tackler he's at the 10 goes in for the td it was roger bird's first time on the field as a wildcat pretty uh uh, pretty good indication of what was to come so uh uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. And the same for Phyllis George, uh, who passed uh, last week. She was our first lady here in Kentucky uh, in 1979 through 83, uh, then married to uh, Governor John Y Brown, Jr. But she was also an innovator in sports television as the uh, first uh, female on the NFL Today show, kind of set the standard for studio shows and what they would become. Things like uh, Game Day Today are born out of what the NFL Today was. And uh, Phyllis was a, uh, uh, opened a lot of doors for a lot of uh, women to uh, get into sports broadcasting. So... Um Thoughts and prayers to her family as well. Uh, that'll do it for today's edition of the Leach Report. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow. Freddie Maggard will join us. Larry Vaught as well. It's the Leach Report. And we're happy to have you with us every day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for...